Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back to our Triune Pod. It is Holy Week. This episode, we're talking about Palm Sunday. Nick, how are you? I'm good, man. Good to see your face. I'm glad to be back here talking about Palm Sunday. And I have to say, man, I am, I'm pretty excited about Holy Week this year. Yeah. We were talking our staff this past week, and we're obviously not doing a normal Holy Week, but like the, the things that we're able to do this year, whether it's because we can be outside or we can stagger services. It's just such a better problem to have than last year. I remember thinking about Holy Week last year, just like, this is going to be so lame. And last year, I was so like very frightened this time, you know, like about the virus and what it was all going to mean. So I knew that coming out of COVID was going to be in some ways as complicated as going into COVID, but I feel so much more animated and energized by the challenges this time around. So I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk about this colic. What about you? Are you, is your church, you guys meeting? What's, what, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're meeting. We're meeting. Okay. We're meeting in person. We have been since, uh, I think it's August. So, uh, yeah, we'll have services, but we'll, you know, fewer services. We're not going to do foot washing on uh, Monday, Thursday. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said last year, <laughs> what a disaster. It was like Camel, who's our musician, Jake, my colleague, and me, and we just did all the services alone. <laughs> and you're just like trying to feel it, uh, and you're trying to internet, feel it for other yeah. people. Yeah, uh, and yeah, probably the, the worst Holy Week of my life. Uh, yeah, me too. But hey, do you have any like, do you have any thoughts or like stories or something to just like frame this week for us? I don't know. You've doing Holy Week for a while now. Any any experiences to set the stage? Well, I mean, I, I really would just want to talk about today. Today's Palm Sunday. Sometimes I feel like it's getting the, the short shrift. And I think it's it's uh, lesser known that Palm Sunday is also the Passion Sunday. So Palm Sunday and the Passion of Our Lord, we do on the same day. And I don't know if you come from a liturgical tradition, dear listener, but in, in our worlds, there is the, the Palm Sunday procession where you have palm branches and you're saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's the first part of the service. But the second part of the service is this long reading of the crucifixion account. And it's this interactive reading from the liturgy. And at one point, everyone in the church yells out in unison, crucify him. So it's, it's a pretty discombobulating service. Again, one second, you're saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And the next you're saying, crucify him. And I have this great memory of, uh, you know, processing out of the church at the end of the, the service. And this little acolyte who is the crucifer carrying the cross comes up to me and says, I don't know how I'm supposed to be feeling today. Um, and I, I didn't have the words at this moment. I wish I did, but I wish I would have, you know, could transport back in time and tell him, I think you got it. You got it. Um, this is a discombobulating service. This is a picture of the human condition. So 
That's what like, did you say? What did you say to him then? Oh, I think I was just like, eh, sorry. <laughs> like completely unhelpful. <laughs> just like, sorry, you know, whenever somebody comes up to you and is like, you know, bad sermon or this sermon's not, or this service isn't so great or, or even like that. Like, what was this supposed to mean? Or how was I supposed to feel? You're like, I'm sorry. But I should have been Dude. slick and be like, you got it. Yeah. Hindsight's 2020. Um, okay. I got to make a confession. I only listened to about half that story because for the first half of that story, I was Googling the phrase short shrift. I'm like, where does that phrase come from? Do you have you, do you know what, the, you know where that phrase comes from? Like the etymology? No. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. So to, like, it's related to shrove as in like shrove Tuesday. So to give someone like shrift was to impose a penitence. It's like when you went to a confessor, um, and so the phrase, it comes from like in the medieval times when you would, before you would be hanged, you would go to a priest to do a last confession and they would impose a short shrift, like a very manageable form of penitence in order to meet your death, in order to meet your God with a clear conscience. Um, we just so that, lost all of our listeners, but I mean, that was awesome. Really? I think, man, I am fascinated when people use these phrases like worth your weight in salt. It's like, where yeah. what the hell does that mean? You that know? idiom come from? Anyway, sorry. Actually, well, you know, it's it's still lit, so that that unrelated is somewhat related. Um, but let's get to the prayer. Let's get to the prayer again. It's Palm Sunday, but the prayer is called Sunday of the Passion, Palm Sunday, and it goes like this: Almighty and ever living God, in your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon Him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, Nick, what do you make of this? Yeah, man, well, let's start talking about it by just um, placing the collect within the scope of the liturgy for Palm Sunday, because I think that does help frame what we're praying for and what we're asking for. So, um, and I had to be reminded of this today as I looked in the prayer book, but basically, you know, a lot of churches like ours will start with a, an actual procession outdoors, right? Where you do the liturgy of the palms and then you wave the palm branches and sing whatever, a glory, loud and honor. But then when that procession ends, like as you related earlier, the service, the focus of the service shifts and we move to the considering the passion and not the celebration that Jesus received, but what would ultimately await him that week in Jerusalem. And this collect is that bridge from the celebration of the palms to the reading of the Passion Gospel. So, of course, it doesn't actually function like this because we just pray it and don't even think about it. But I think the spirit of it is, okay, we said hallelujah, but now we're going into a more sobering, in some ways, severe moment um, where Jesus is betrayed and will ultimately be crucified. And, um, yeah, so, okay. Um, I don't know, maybe that might not have been helpful, but it's helpful for me to think about like, where, where does this happen? Um, and then I think a few things to discuss here. I mean, I think the, the thing that jumps out the most to me at the outset is the way that the writer uses the word tender to modify love. Mm. Um, God's love for the human race, for humankind is tender. And it was the, it is love that motivated what we would call the incarnation and the crucifixion. Uh, it, in your tender love, you sent your son, our savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death 
upon the cross. Um, and that's just, that's just great theology, man. You know, why did Jesus come to die? It wasn't to, you know, there's, I guess there's are multiple answers to that question, but what this collect is foregrounding is that it is love for humankind, love for broken, victimizing and victimized human beings. And it is out of the overflow of God's love for humankind that Christmas happened and that Easter happened. Um, yeah, that's, that's the first, first, first little bullet point I wanted to hit. Any, any thoughts about that, Ben? No, I mean, I, I think it's, it's beautiful. And I do love, I do love that, that adjective that in your tender love for the human race, you sent your son, our savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him, our nature. So it's talking about the incarnation. And then it's also talking about the atonement to suffer death upon the cross. And then, you know, we don't always love this kind of language, but it also, it gives us an example, giving us an example of his great humility. God who was rich became poor for our sake, all out of love. And, you know, when that is, you know, internalized in us, we might just find ourselves doing the same thing. Uh, but yeah, so what are we asking for in this collect? Wait, hold on. I need to make a second confession and it's related. It's related to this word tender. Um, I, bro, hold on. This this isn't going to be inappropriate. Uh, (laughs) I just got it. I just got the tender connection. I was like, why is that funny? Um, No. Okay. Come on, man. Let's, let's, let's regather ourselves. No. Um, Well, this joke isn't going to land in the same way, but the confession that I wanted to make is that I kind of like the movie, the shack. Uh, have you ever seen The Shack? No, I, I think I've read the book, but I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, I've never read the book. And I resisted it for years, not because of some like high-minded, the Trinity don't, you know, that's idolatry. I just thought it would be like too hallmarky and like Nashville Christian for me. But I um, I watched the movie like a year ago and I actually found it like very emotionally satisfying. <laughs> and, 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 and honestly, because of this notion of the tenderness of God's love, you know, Octavia Spencer is God the father in the shack and she, and, and like a Native American gentleman at one point, but the idea that, but she does embody a tenderness. And I dare say like a maternal aspect of the love of God that, you know, God is recall. I mean, I'm fine using masculine pronouns for God. I know some people are not and that's okay, but like God is beyond gender. God is not a man. And there is an aspect of God's love that is maternal in the same way that a mom, a mother is so motivated with tender love when they see their children suffering to do something about it. Um, I think God's love being tender is actually like a, a really important feature of our faith. But okay, we can move on. Um, yeah, I think what we're asking for is, I mean, the verb is grant, mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection. That's the technical answer to your question, dear Ben. Um, uh, what does think, that mean? Yes, exactly. That is that is the most important question. And I actually have a, I actually have kind of a specific answer to this. And I don't. Ooh. I'm not. I'm not going to make the argument that like this is the right way to interpret the collect, but I think it's an interesting way to think about it. Um, and it has to do with that word suffering. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering the um the old english like so in like the original prayer books and I'm, I'm assuming the 1662 prayer book what we actually say is mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his patience and patience as we know is a, related to the word passion it's related to the word suffering you know patience suffering 
um, passion that's like a complex, right? Of all the same kind of basic same things. But I like the word patience because I think when you say walk in the way of his suffering, that has like, you think of cancer or you think of car crashes. You think of, at least I do, of like something that's like physically traumatic and catastrophic. But walk in the way of his patience is actually a bit more down to earth and in a good way, relatable. Um, and I have another thing to say, but maybe I, I want to also invite you to speak as well. So any, any thoughts about that? No, I mean, I, 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 I get what you're saying. They're, those words are all related, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I do find it jarring. Grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering. Like I, I just, <laughs> I really am not a big fan of suffering. I know it's you know part and parcel of being a human and being a Christian, but uh, I, I feel like I need to get down a little bit more with walking in the way of his patience. <laughs> That's good. Well, um, I want to share with you an, an unbelievable quote. It's by a, um, a Catholic priest and philosopher uh, in Europe at, at the Charles University. That's how you say it in English, Prague. I think he's Czech. His name is uh, Tomas Halleck. Um, and he was a, he's, he's, a psychi- he's like six things, a psychiatrist, a professor of philosophy. I think he was trained to be a priest during the, uh, in the 1980s when uh, Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic was Czechoslovakia and it was a um, communist country. So he has like this deep, deep familiarity with suffering. But he wrote this fantastic book called Patience with God. And uh, here's what he says in it. This is a little bit long, but it's very good. Patience is what I consider to be the main difference between faith and atheism. I'm convinced that maturing in one's faith also entails accepting and enduring moments, sometimes even lengthy periods, when God seems remote or concealed. We need faith at precisely those twilight moments when our lives and the world are full of uncertainties during the cold night of God's silence. And its function is not to ally our thirst for certainty and safety, but to teach us to live with mystery. Patience with God. Um, And the way I want to read this prayer, grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering, his patience is this. You kind of intimated this already. Suffering is a universal feature of human life. The question is not, will we suffer? The question is, how will we suffer? How will we endure those twilight moments? And will we be able to walk in the way of Jesus's suffering or Jesus's patience? As if to say, the, the most important question is not, will we suffer? It's, will we learn to suffer like Jesus? Will we learn to endure moments of God's silence, God's absence, God's distance with the poise, fortitude, honesty, and prayerfulness that Jesus exhibits for us this very week? And when you think about it like that, um, it makes this prayer profound and urgent because over the, you know, you could get, to talk about something catastrophic, something terrible could happen to you later today. You know, life is so uncertain, unpredictable, and we need the grace of God to come alongside us and enable us to endure life's inevitable downturns like Jesus, that we would walk in the way of his suffering. Um, mm. And yeah, I, maybe this is a question more than a response, but what does it look like to have the patience of Christ in the midst of suffering? We, we see him in the garden, asking for this cup to be taken away from him. And yet we have, uh, you know, thy will, not mine be done is, do you think that's what suffer or patience like Christ in the midst of suffering looks like, or, or maybe one part of it? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the way I think this would look experientially is that I would think about it as the capacity to trust when um, everything around you screams not trust, mm. right? And so what I'm not saying is this kind of white knuckling or as you know, I do not like this kind of habituated form of like you just build up endurance and that way you can draw upon it in moments of crisis. Like, I don't think it works like that. But I do think the grace of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit can be present in our lives in such a way that in those moments of real tragedy and real pain, we somehow find a way to hold on to God's promise that all of God's dealings in my life are good, that God will never forsake me, that Jesus is walking with me through this, even if I can't feel him or perceive him. Um, I, I, as a matter of fact, still believe that. I'm not just like noetically saying it because I believe it to be true theologically. Like I feel it in my bones that I am not alone. Mm. Um, it's that kind of, it's that level of faith, I think is what patience really looks like. Yeah. My colleague has this line where he says, um, sometimes like we're just called to believe despite all evidence to the contrary. And I used to kind of buckle against that because I, I'm just such an anti-fideist. Uh, I, I want to have like, you know, a rational faith to really think through what I believe and why I believe it. But I think I've come to realize that what he means by that is exactly what you're saying, that uh, we, we, we see by faith, not by sight. And sometimes shit's hitting the fan and we are suffering profoundly. And despite all evidence to the contrary, um, can I be faithful? And on my own, of course, I can't, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, please, Lord, uh, help us look to you despite all of the shit that happens in our lives and in the world. Um, so yeah, I've, I've actually gone from buckling against that saying to embracing it and, 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 and really appreciating it. Yeah. I mean, it, the context matters a lot, right? Cause it's yeah. not like, uh, despite evidence to the contrary, the earth is 4,000 years old. You yeah, just got to yeah, believe yeah. it. I mean, I think some people recoil at that language because they're thinking about it like that, but it's totally. more like, no, it's when your kids who you baptized and raised in a Christian home are selling drugs at the age of 16. Like, mm -hmm. can you believe that God's promises still apply to them? Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, that's what he, I think that's what he's talking about. That's the context. Exactly. Despite all yeah. the evidence, the contrary, this is a child of God. Mm -hmm. And I still believe that for them. Yeah. Or like, um, yeah, like corporately, the, like, you know, the, the church in Europe and maybe, maybe the church in the U.S., like particularly the Episcopal world, dwindling. Uh, and yet, and it appears that there is no way forward. But do we trust that God is not going to give up on his church? Do we trust that he will make a way out of no way? Um, yeah. Do we trust that we will end the year in the black? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, totally. So. That's great, man. All right. Well, I feel like we, we, we drank from this well. Maybe not exhausted, but I think we did. We did some good stuff. Anything you want to add? No, man. Pray us out. Okay. Almighty and ever-living God, in your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
about that episode of our Triune Pod. Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.